Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. I want to welcome back. We've got Ron Johnson. And I like to say it because he's from up north, eh? Ron Johnson from up north in Michigan. He wrote this incredible book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. And we're going to talk about that today. Ron Johnson, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. It's a real pleasure to be here. Now, 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 let's not be so subdued now. I know that you're way up north and it's already started getting cold up there, but we want to have some fun today. You know, what you know, your experience in your workplaces and how you wrote the, I mean, you remember how I found your book. I was just typing in to the search engine, hey, I wonder if anybody's written anything on customer service and incorporating their faith. And comes up this book. Wow, here's a guy that wrote exactly this book customer service and the imitation of Christ. We've got the privilege, Ron, of speaking to a lot of employees who've left their workplace. They work the 7 to 3 shift, or they'll be coming up on the 7 to 3.30 shift, and they're they're not necessarily all the business owners. We've got a lot of those listening as well, but these are people that are in customer service. They're serving customers each and every day, and they're wondering, how can I make a difference as a customer service person? And, and, and it's so important, the encouragement that you are going to offer today. Hey, I picked out a verse for you, though. So we could read that on the uh, on it. Matthew twenty three eleven. The greatest among you will be your servant. And Matthew twenty twenty seven through twenty eight. And whoever wants to be first 
must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. As we talk about customer service and the imitation of Christ, that's really what it's all about is servanthood, isn't it? It really is, Jim. And, you know, more and more in companies all across uh, the world, uh, we're more and more starting to realize that customer service isn't just for customer-facing employees. It's people even in the back offices. More and more we're having to realize that we've got to work together. And in order to do that, we've got to We've got to be willing to serve each other, to uh, to help each other. Everybody's got a customer, whether it's an internal customer or an external customer. We all exactly. have customers. Hey, That's before right. we go to break, talk to me, talk to me, and talk to the audience about how Jesus Christ is making an impact on your life today. Well, uh, I actually gave my life to Christ before I started high school, uh, and ever since then, Christ has been very real to me in very concrete ways. I have found wherever I've been, when I was in school, and then when I grew up, and uh, and any job I've ever had, uh, Christ has been very real to me, very concretely, answering prayers and helping me to do the kind of serving that you're talking about wherever I happen to be. Well, that was a really great—I I, I love that. Very quick summary. You had a little bit of extra time. You know, it's it's a daily thing, and I think that's really what the encouragement—I I was texting back and forth with a buddy of mine who's struggling in a, a certain part of his life, and he goes, yeah, but Jim, it just doesn't—I just want to give up. This is too hard. It's too difficult. I'm just not sure I can keep doing this. I don't know how—you know, you're just such an upbeat guy all the time. You know, you just seem like you don't have any issues. I'm like, oh, dude, seriously, I got issues. Uh-huh. We yeah. all have issues. We're all struggling at one point in time or another. And, and some right. days we all want to give up, but the good news is we have hope in Christ, and He makes it possible for us to go on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mean I, I don't even know how you do it. I can't imagine living life without the hope we have in Christ. All right, we're talking today with Ron Johnson. He wrote this great book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ, which I stumbled across a couple of years ago, and Ron's been on the show before. Ron, as we get back into it, talk to me about how you came to write this book. Okay. Well, I started the journey toward this, Jim, years ago. When I had, was first out of college, I was going around the circuit speaking at churches and talking about my experience of finding God concretely in uh, high school and in college. But I, I was young and cocky, and I uh, said things that I didn't really have the experience to back up. And one of the things that I said a lot uh, in those speaking engagements was, you may be stuck in a dead-end job, but God can make it an adventure. And I believed that to be true, and that's why I said it. But I didn't really have the life experience to, uh, you know, to draw upon in saying that. But what I found was in congregation after congregation, people would come up to me uh, of various ages, and they would say, is that really true? Can that really happen for me? And then they would ask me detailed questions that I couldn't answer. The only thing I could do was draw upon my experience as a college student and how God had helped me in my studies and and uh, serving others and so on uh, on college campuses. But I didn't have that work experience. Those people soon became my people. I I was constantly thinking about those people, how uh, defeated they looked, Uh, like your friend that you were talking about earlier, Jim. People who were, you know, constantly shouldering the burden of trying to represent God in the workplace, but they were stuck in dead-end jobs or in jobs that they didn't feel inspired by, those became my people. And I devoted my life to finding the concrete answers for the kinds of questions they were asking. 
And so I, over the years, I, I held a number of different jobs and ultimately then went to graduate school and uh, got a PhD in philosophy. And my thought was that I was going to end up being a, a professor and was going to write books uh, that would help answer these kinds of questions for my people. Just as I came at the point where I, uh, uh, where I got my PhD, I had spent a couple of years working full-time as a professor, um, it, it just didn't happen in the, in the fall of 2000 uh, when I was supposed to uh, find another teaching opportunity. One didn't come along, and in order to support my family, I ended up having to uh, take a customer service job uh, in a call center. And it was a very, uh, it was a major setback for me, and I didn't understand what God was doing at all. And then in the middle of it all, then I realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm stuck in a dead-end job. And <laughs> God is making it an adventure for me, because I'm praying about it, you know, and so on. But I realized, wait a minute, I'm finally at a point where I can answer my people's questions, at least within one industry. In the, in the customer service call, call center industry. I can answer very specific questions about what the pressure points are, or the pain points, and so on, and how God can help you through those day after day. So I, uh, that's why I wrote my book. On the, on the other hand, it's not just for people in customer service, because I've had lots of readers uh, say to me, I'm not, I'm not a customer service representative, but your book helps me. And uh, that's, that's the objective. Well, and the point is that we're all in customer service, no matter what we do. I mean, churches are in customer service. It doesn't matter what level of a business you're in, you're in customer service because we all have customers. We all do. Right. And, and really, that applies in your neighborhoods, too. We can provide great customer service to our neighbors. We just wouldn't call it customer service. We call it being neighborly. But it is right. the ministry that you describe in this book as as you grew from a, a call center person on the phones all day long to actually a, a manager of the call center. It's amazing. And it's so encouraging because it, it, there is no job out there that's a dead end job. God always has a purpose. He never wastes an experience because if you ever look at a dead end job, think about the job that, well, what, what, when you think of biblical people, people in the Bible, which one of them, when you think of dead end job, which one do you think of? I think of Joseph. Okay. Why? I don't know. Well, Joseph was uh, sold into slavery, and he's, uh, um, he started out with a pretty good job uh, working for a, a governor and uh, lost that because of a scandal and ended up in jail, actually in the prison. And, but even there, in the prison, then he's, uh, he's given uh, opportunities to rise and to have more uh, um, uh, uh, responsibilities and so on. But still, I mean, he's in prison. And see, when I and I like that because he had no idea if he was ever going to get out of there. And God used those days every day to shape his character from who he was to who he planned to use as second in command of the known world. When I think of dead end jobs, I think of Moses. Because 40 years of being a shepherd, first of all, I grew up, you know, rich boy in Egypt. And then and then he has 40 years watching sheep. I think that, I mean, like, Lord, am I ever going to get a real job? He didn't get his first real job till he was 80 years old. That, to me, that's what I think of, dead-end job. But yet, you look at both both who you mentioned and who I mentioned, and God used those experiences. I mean, Moses learned how to talk with God. He learned how to become a friend of God in the, in the wilderness. And Joseph learned how to be 
an extremely humble leader who helped save civilization, basically, uh, with the hand of God. I mean, it's incredible. But both of them took a look at their different jobs. And, and yet, Jim, I do want to also emphasize that, and this is one of the things that I've learned, um, you very well may uh, end up in what appears to the world to be a dead-end job. You mentioned before that I had risen uh, to a uh, operations manager level. Uh, in I had worked in a call center before I went to graduate school, and that was actually for Western Union. And I was a... Uh, um, I started out just on the telephones, taking telegrams and uh, money transfers and so on, and I worked my way up to operations manager. So that did happen for me before I went to graduate school. But I've been in my current job for 15 years, Jim, and it has been uh, pretty much lateral moves that I've made during that past 15 years. So I want listeners to understand there it may be that the adventure that God calls you to, it may be it, it may not be a rags to riches kind of thing. You may still be in uh, pretty much that same job for a very long time. That doesn't mean that God can't use you and can't make it uh, a daily adventure for you right where you are. Well, isn't it true that God can use any of us anywhere we are? I mean, if he could use Joseph in prison, can he use any of us anywhere else? Right. And yes, and Joseph, you know, in his case then, he was called beyond that then to... uh, uh, undertake a major uh, food relief uh, program that had to be done. Uh, you know, he became a, a major power figure within the Egyptian uh, government. But, um, but uh, like you say, I mean, even if you are still in a in a low-paying, uh, underappreciated job, it still can be a place where you can serve and where you can find uh, a measure of satisfaction as God works through you. Now, you're also a professor. You're, I mean, yes. you're, you're working in a call center every day, but you're also a professor. Where are you a professor at? I am. Uh, I do extension courses in the Kalamazoo and Battle Creek area for uh, Spring Arbor University here in Michigan. What are you teaching? Uh, philosophy, history, and world religion. You're not teaching customer service? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> well, I don't get that. I mean, it's great that you get to use your doctorate, which was in philosophy, to be able to teach those things, but all those people... Of all the people, I mean, those people need to learn customer service. I mean, do you get to put that into your curriculum? I mean, because a lot of those people that get all those heady degrees, they have no clue how to deal with normal people. Well, actually, the students that I have right now are adult learners. They okay. Are, uh, so the people, people doing it every day. work all day. Yeah, they're, they're people who work all day and they've gone back to school uh, because uh, their job requires it or because they're trying to better themselves. But they're people who did not take advantage of uh, going on to uh, to college when they were younger, and now they're feeling the need for it. So, See? yeah, so we have wonderful conversations, actually, uh, about a lot of life issues. We've got author, speaker, professor, and professional customer service representative Ron Johnson on the show today with us talking about customer service and the imitation of Christ. Ron, right before the break, we started just talking a little bit about your book and your work history and how you've been in the same job now 15 years, and you're also a professor, an extension prof- professor, as, as you described it. So you're doing both. You're doing customer service and you're teaching at the same time. Right. Well, would you ever have time to sleep? Oh, oh. Um, yeah. Uh, but but uh, uh, but yes, I, I do have the opportunity to use the thing that I uh, got my PhD for in the first place, and I'm blessed to be able to do that. But it also uh, 
uh, you know, it's something that uh, you still uh, grow where you're planted. Wherever uh, God puts you, you do what you uh, believe you're called to do there. So do you really believe that a customer service representative can imitate Christ or be a Christ-like example in the workplace and to their customers? Do you really believe that? Absolutely. That's what God is doing all the time, Jim, molding us into followers of the risen Christ. It's, it, it's God who does that, of course, and not, not ourselves. It's not something that we can just do as a self-help kind of thing, but, um, but that's the point. That's why we uh, give our lives uh, over to Christ so that we can become more Christ-like wherever we happen to be, and that even means uh, in, in the workplace and when we're uh, doing customer service. But what is that— what does that look like to you when you say, okay, I can be Christ, I can imitate Christ when dealing with my customers? Give me an example of what that looks like. Well, for example, uh, when, when you're actually doing customer service, customer service is, uh, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of pressure points, a lot of pain points in doing customer service, and they're both internal and external. On the one hand, a lot of the people who you talk to are angry. That's why they're on the phone because they want to complain to somebody and they want you to, uh, you know, to solve their problem. But you also got a lot of internal uh, uh, pain or pressure points going on because you've got uh, people who are uh, listening to your calls. They're recording every keystroke you do on the computer. They know when you uh, stop to, uh, to run down to the men's room or, and when you're back, they, they know everything about you. And they've got goals uh, that they've set for you, numeric goals. Uh, you've got to take your calls in less than three minutes uh, average. You've got to uh, uh, say the customer's name at least once. Uh, you know, all those kinds of things are being tabulated on you, and, and you're, you're constantly being monitored. And uh, as I say in the book, just like dogs and dolphins are trained to do tricks, you're being shaped by your managers. You're being told, you've got to meet these goals, and if you don't meet these goals, then you'll be disciplined and uh, uh, possibly even lose your job and so on. So in other words, it's this whole constellation of, you know, of pressures coming from all different uh, directions. And what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ is to say, um, I have to choose. I have to choose between, in Jesus' words, between God and mammon. In other words, i got to choose between whether I'm here just for the paycheck or whether I'm here to be formed into a disciple of Jesus Christ, even in this place. And when you make those choices, then that means that at your next performance review, you may not come out the way you're supposed to. You know, your calls may have been four minutes instead of three minutes, you know, or even five minutes, you know, something like that. I guess what you're doing basically is you're making a decision that you're going to be a person of integrity a person who's going to serve the customer when they come on your line, even if that means you're not going to make all the goals and uh, and you may end up being disciplined as a result. So does that happen to you? Do you get in trouble for spending too much time talking to people? It has happened to me, yes. It, it, and it's, it, you know, I think a big part, if you're living, if you're living within a, a customer service call center culture, um, it is by nature a parent-child kind of culture. Uh, the person who's sitting in that chair, who's taking those uh, those calls at the 800 number, is is very much cast in the role of the child. 
uh, and this was very interesting to me, you know, as a PhD and as a person who had been already um, an operations manager, you know, before all of this, you're very much cast in the role of the child and your managers are the parents and you've got to please the parent and you've got to, you know, you've got to uh, obey and you've got to do the things that you're told to do. It's very much um, a punitive kind of culture. And if you don't hit your goal this month, you'd better hit them next month, or you better tell me how you're going to hit them next month. And if you don't, then you, uh, then yeah, um, uh, there was, uh, there are times when you're even called uh, uh, before a, a kind of, uh, depending on the culture that you're in, you can be called before even a kind of tribunal, and you have to answer for why you have not uh, uh, been meeting the Something goes a little sour on that one when you say customer service tribunal. That doesn't seem to ring very. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. Customer, there's something missing in that deal. So, but you've been doing this now 15 years in this current job. 15 years in this current job. So, you've obviously found a happy medium where you can be a Christ-like example, not only to your fellow customer service people, but also to the customers. Because you just described, okay, how can I be a Christ-like example in my work environment? But you get an opportunity to really help talk people down off the ledge on the phone all the time. I mean, that's customer service people. Everybody listening today has not been nice to a customer service person on on the phone. I am sure of that. Including me. And me. (laughs) I had to call back a lady from Duke Energy one time to apologize because I got frustrated with her. And it wasn't her fault. Well, maybe it was, but I still apologize. So how talk to me about what's let's just twist it for just a second. What's the most thrilling moment for you as a customer service person? Well, in general, being able to help people. Uh, that was the thing that I discovered. Like I said, it was the lowest point in my life where I, I, I left being a full time professor. And then here I am taking calls. In general, it was my realization that I was able to help people. Um, that's what that's what made it better for me. But specifically, I, I guess I'd have to say, um, I was part of a massive policy change uh, that our company made on automobile leases. Uh, and I mentioned I talk about that in some uh, detail in the book. The uh, um, the fact that I was it, it all started with a customer complaint, but. Uh, um, uh, just to, to put it very briefly, um, the bank that I was working for at that time, um, we had uh, automobile leases, and we had certain states that were upfront tax states. Illinois is an example um, where you pay all your taxes upfront. So therefore, we don't uh, assess tax on your monthly payment. But if you move out out of a uh, upfront state, then we do start assessing tax. Well, I got a call from a customer who had moved from Illinois to Wisconsin. But Wisconsin is a reciprocal state. They also have upfront uh, uh, tax arrangement. So if you've uh, moved there from another upfront state, you don't have to pay. Well, we were charging him. And he uh, uh, he put me onto Wisconsin's website, and I was able to confirm that he was right that we should not be charging him. So I uh, contacted our lease area, and I asked them to please stop charging him. And I gave them uh, all the uh, information and reason why they shouldn't do it. But nothing happened. So then I had to uh, follow up, and I called over to the lease area, and I talked to a very nice lady, and we had a, a conversation about it. But by the time the conversation was done, nothing happened. And as, as time went by, I began to realize nothing is going to happen. 
And like I said, I go into a lot more detail of the story in the book, but what ended up happening was, through praying about it, I began to realize, although she was the one person in the company, the only one, who could stop assessing the tax on this particular customer, she was not empowered to make a policy change, even if I could show her that the state of Wisconsin had uh, uh, this, this arrangement. What I finally had to do was call the state of Wisconsin get someone to send us a letter and specifically order us not to uh, charge the uh, uh, tax for this particular customer. Well, irony of ironies, uh, I'm on uh, hold now to talk to the call center of the uh, taxation department of the state of Wisconsin. Now, what do you, what do you expect there? I'm thinking I'm going to talk to a bureaucrat who's not going to care about uh, my problem at all. Um, what actually ends up happening is the guy is very nice, very obliging, and tells me, uh, confirms that our company should not be charging the, uh, the tax. And then I said to him, would you be willing to put it in writing? And under my breath, I prayed, he's not going to go for it, Lord. You know he's not going to go for it. And then he says, yeah, absolutely. I'll be very glad to send you a letter. So the guy writes me a letter. Uh, a few days later, I have that in hand, and I go over to the lease department. I show them the letter. They say, now, uh, now we can help. This is what we were looking for. So uh, what all of that uh, meant then was that I did not know I, uh, how to get through this, you know, how to break down this wall that uh, was put up. They were just simply telling me they could not do uh, what needed to be done for the customer. But I kept praying about it and uh, got guidance about how to give them what they needed in order to make the policy change. As it turned out, she took it to her boss. He was the guy who made the policy change, and he did the right thing. Uh, there were many reciprocal states uh, besides uh, Wisconsin and Illinois, so it became a sweeping policy change. Uh, we ended up uh, having to tear out those pages of our manual and put in new pages and that uh, was about the most thrilling thing I think I've ever had happen in customer service, to, to be able to tear out those pages and put new ones in. So it's real proof that you can make a difference, really, in people's lives by just providing fantastic customer service and praying about it. Because you didn't know, the, the company didn't say, here's what you got to do to solve this problem. They just right. said, we can't solve the problem. All right, so Ron, you, you talked about... You know, you, let's talk about the book. You say in the book that as, as a CSR who wants to imitate Christ, you must rely on miracles. Describe what you mean by that. You rely on miracles. Well, the example that I just gave is is an example of this. A, a corporation is a complex organization with a variety of subcultures. Nobody gets the job done alone anymore. And even if you work for a small business, you're still you're depending on other vendors and so on. Nobody works alone anymore. We're all interconnected. So you have to depend on lots of other people. And, of course, then there's all kinds of system breakdowns and so on. So in my line of business, it is very uh, common for people to start the conversation by saying, I've talked to five other people, and they couldn't help me. Can you? And I take that as, uh, as a challenge to work a miracle. You know, uh, I, I, and what I mean is I can't do that. I mean, my answer is no, I probably can't help if there have been five other people who have been, been unable to help you. But I, I work for Jesus Christ. And uh, so my answer is always yes, I'll be glad to help you. Um, and then, you know, then and only then do I find out what their problem is and uh, what the solution is going to be. But for me, 
you know, there is that there is that reliance. There has to be that reliance that I'm in this place for a reason. I mean, I didn't get a PhD to be a customer service representative. I'm in this place for a reason. I'm here to help people. So therefore, I have to believe that God is going to help me help people. But like I said, I can't do it alone. I'm going to have to rely on lots of other people. So I have to believe that God is going to give me the answers, help me to connect with the people who can help this customer. And uh, and what I have found is if you don't believe that, then that's when you get these customer service breakdowns where well, I can't help you. Let me let me uh, uh, transfer you to somebody who can. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> the eternal the transfer, the customer yeah. service whirlwind of nothingness. <laughs> right. The I black hole of customer service. All of us out here that are deal with people like you all day long, we're like, oh no, don't transfer me, please don't transfer me. You're a human. I don't want to get stuck in, you know, the right. black hole. I've, yeah. I've often thought there should be a big board up in the air, uh, you know, where we all look at it and we can see the customers floating around who we've just transferred, you know, and they're like in a computer program where they bounce against the walls back and forth while somebody, you know, they're waiting for somebody to answer and help them. It's yeah. like so, Pong. Uh, it's like a professional yeah. version of Pong. That's what it really is. Right. Or Ring Around the right. Rosie, one or the other. Right. Okay, but, you know, you, you mentioned, I mean, as you go through this, looking for miracles and really praying for miracles, because if you haven't worked, people listening today, if you haven't worked in a big corporation, and here in Tampa Bay, we don't have a lot of monstrous corporations. We have a few, but most of the corporations here are small, and people aren't used to the, as you described it, cultures and subcultures and, you know, super heavy politics. There's there's 20 to 30 big companies around here, but most of the companies here in Tampa Bay are small. But you're, you're so that... that to really look at it as a miracle because you got policy change in a major nationwide corporation, that really is a miracle of God. I mean, it's it's cool that you were part of it. But what I loved, you mentioned something else in the book that I really love. This is something I grabbed onto. Every conversation that you have with a customer is a three-way conversation. Now, people automatically think, well, three-way conversation, of course, because it says, you're this conversation may be recorded. That's not what you're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, no, what that's it, not what I'm talking about. That's not what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Three-way conversations. What do you mean? I'm just talking to the customer. Right. When I'm having a conversation with you, Jim, and I'm staying in touch with God at the same time, that's a three-way. And I actually have to say there's another local connection here. When I wrote, when I started writing the book, I was living in Cincinnati. And uh, uh, Cincinnati, we love our skyline chili. A uh, shout-out there to any Cincinnatians and uh, and. Uh, uh, Skyline Chili, is, you know, we love it there. And There's one here in Clearwater. Way. There's one here in Clearwater. Oh, okay. well, Great. Well, then you know. You can have a three-way. You can have a five-way. You know, or, you know. so I, I figured at least some of my local readers would understand. But when I'm talking about a three-way, I'm talking about you, me, and I'm trying to stay in touch with God at all times. So I don't just pray at the start of my shift. Um, oh, God, please be with me today. You know, and then just hang up the phone to God for the rest of the day. I try to stay in touch with God throughout the day, because, you know, stuff's coming at me all day that I don't know what to do with. So I'm constantly turning, you know, to God in my mind and saying, okay, you know, what's the answer here? Because I, I don't have a clue. And, and so the and how days, does it work for you? Give me even an example of how, let, let's just get real practical, because I love this, because I do this all the time when I'm sitting with Martha and I, my wife and I are sitting down into a marriage mentoring, and they're laying out something like, oh, Lord. I have no idea what I'm going to say next, but I often do that when I am working with a business owner. I'm like, they're asking me for a solution. I'm like, Lord, I have no idea. I have no idea. Right. So talk to me about a, a real example of where you're praying through a difficult conversation you're having with somebody and you don't know the answer and, and how God delivers. 
Well, uh, one really good example, I think, is when you're at loggerheads with somebody, when uh, they're mad at you and you're starting to get a little bit hot under the collar, too, because you've already given them the answer once, twice, three times. They're not hearing it. Um, what I find oftentimes is when I pray about it, then I realize, uh-oh, I'm the one who's not hearing it. They are asking a question, and there's something there that I'm not hearing. So, yeah, I've given them the answer one, two, three times, but it was only a partial answer, and they're trying to tell me there's, there's something more here, and I'm not hearing it. So what a lot of times happens for me when I pray is that it, it takes me up short and makes me stop and listen more carefully to what's happening, and then I start to realize, oh, I'm the one who's, uh, uh, who's being resistant here. And I need to understand a little bit better what this person's asking. So then I'll, you know, then I'll ask a little bit more probing questions. Oh, do you mean such and such, or are you asking me such and such? And then, then we stop, you know, fighting. And we start getting somewhere. It's that eliminating the crazy cycle they talk about in the love and respect book. Yes, you're you're not married to those people on the other end of the phone, but you can keep it keeps growing in this crazy cycle. All right, so you. You're having this conversation. You've 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 prayed for insight, and God just says, "Hey, would you shut up and listen and hear what the customer's really saying?" How often have you had an opportunity to just let people know that Christ is who's making a difference in your life, which is why you're a different kind of customer service person than who they're used to dealing with? Well, over the phone, that is difficult. Um, but there are times, though, Jim, where um, especially if you're working, for example, in a call center of the bank. And here's a guy who uh, he calls in and he says, you can tell he's very young. His wife, he says, uh, used to, she was the one. She was the one who did the banking. She handed the, handled the finances for the company and so on. She died this past weekend. And now he's got to do it. And he's got a couple of little kids to raise. And, uh, you, you know, suddenly in that moment, it doesn't matter that people are listening and uh, that you're going to be evaluated on this call. In that moment, you're a human being who's talking to another human being who's, who's hurting and who's in pain. And, uh, you know, you just do what you can to tell them um, that you do care and that somebody else, uh, you know, somebody else who cares. And, uh, you know, that there, there are moments when you just find that that's what you must do. Um, if, you, if I'm talking to a, a father who uh, um, he's got uh, transactions happening on his account, he doesn't know where they're coming from. And I tell him they're coming from a casino. And he says he hasn't been to the casino. And then he checks his wallet and realizes that his grown up son who lives with him um, has his card and he's off, you know, uh, doing stuff at the casino. Mm. Um, you know, just those kind of moments, uh, there, there are moments. Uh, from time to time, where regardless of the profession you're in, you just simply have to be uh, genuine in that moment and just say, you know, um, uh, I feel the pain that you're going through. You know, right. And even though you know there are people listening, uh, you do what you can. Or especially because people are listening. How about that one? Because they may need to hear it too. We're talking with Ron Johnson, who wrote this great book, Customer service and the imitation of Christ. Ron, it's so popular. It's unbelievable. But here's the, here's the question. You say, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. But the average person doesn't get a chance to practice this. But you as a CSR, you get sometimes get cursed just for saying hello. 
How do you deal with that? In training, they teach us, you know, gimmicks uh, and uh, and some methods like to try to apologize. It doesn't cost you anything. and It'll calm people down, that kind of thing. What I have found uh, helps me is just simply in every single call, uh, everybody I'm talking to, pray to bless and help people, whether they're nice to you or not, to recognize every single one of them as somebody who's on the phone because they need to be there. They, they have a problem and, and they need our help and to just pray to help them and to bless them. And if you're in the practice of doing that, call after call, day after day, then when some of them get ugly, then at least you've got that to draw on, that uh, that you know you're in a three-way conversation, you're doing this with God, you're not shouldering it alone, it's not entirely personal, you know, it's not just you they're putting down, but uh, you and Jesus are going to do what you can to get through this. One, you got 15 seconds. Give me a final word of encouragement for the CSRs out there listening today. It's supposed to be fun to serve Jesus. It's supposed to be a celebration, and it can be if you let Jesus Christ into your life to do it through you. Ron Johnson, thanks for coming back on I Work For Him. We're going to do this again. Thanks again. Great. Thanks. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, all right here on Tampa Bay's Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Thanks for listening. Great conversation. Just for those of us that are out there serving customers each and every day, it's a good reminder that we're serving Christ as we serve them, and those are people on the other end of that phone line, and they desperately need to be treated nicely because a lot of them have a lot of baggage they bring with them on the phone calls. So look for that. How are we going to take this city for Jesus Christ? What did you learn today about how we could take this city for Jesus Christ in your workplace? You know, we learned today that our customer service, whether we're serving internal customers or external customers, we've got an opportunity to be Jesus to those people, whether they're in the office, on the phone, on the street, wherever they may be. Ron brought up so many great points on just, you know, pray it. And, and that's what we talk about. If We'd love for you to join the I Work For Him Nation because you need we need to be praying for our co-workers and our employees and ron put into practice not only does he pray for the people he works with but he prays for the people he does work for those customers on the other end of the line what a great way to prepare yourself for the day and for each and every phone call just pray lord give me wisdom you know so go out to i work for him tonight and join the i work for him nation click on the i work for him nation flag and make that commitment to start praying tonight for your co-workers and employees by name you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim brangenberg I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.